Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're delighted that you've joined us today. We are enjoying our series of programs where we are really helping women thrive by bringing to mind portions of their health they may not have considered. And today's show is very, very interesting. We're going to be talking about coaching skills. And we have a marvelous coach joining us from New Zealand, Lorraine Hamilton. And we will be talking about how you can put these practices into place for yourself. And you can learn from the skills that she will talk about and apply and apply them to everyday life. I think we so often forget that skills are not something you learn to do only in one place, that the best life skills that you have, you will utilize throughout various aspects of your life to make it richer, deeper, and keep your awareness up. I think women have a lot of self-awareness, but sometimes we are not aware of being able to utilize skills throughout each thing, and we segregate them out of our lives. Lorraine, I'd love to welcome you back to uh, Wise Health for Women Radio. Thank you so much for having me back, Linda. I had such a good time the last time. It's uh, I'm excited to be here. I am as well, and I, I really love the fact that we're talking about something that can make everyone a little bit more aware they can use their skills and like most things you can build upon them as you learn what they are and it makes you a better communicator it makes you better at engaging others and I think it makes you more accessible to others does that sum up in a way what these skills can do Oh, absolutely. I mean, I get feedback from clients who think that I have a superpower or that, you know, somehow I'm I'm somehow incredibly gifted. And whilst my ego would love for me to jump on that and go, oh, yes, that's what it is. It really (laughs) isn't. These are skills that can be learned and practiced by anyone. And, And that's the beauty of coaching that if you are working with a coach who has been properly trained and that's a whole other conversation yes you're talking to um, a coach who you know has been properly trained it actually you're still going to get very powerful results from them whether they're fresh out of coaching school or they've been doing it for 10 years and that is what life is all about is communicating well and being able to connect with other people. We were not made to be alone. But so often people think a coach is outside of their realm. Why would I need a coach? I, I'm at a different phase in life. I'll just figure this out on my own. Where I think that we, we can talk for a few minutes about the benefits of having a personal coach. Because I think people don't even realize that you don't have to have a special need, skill, profession to utilize coaching well and to benefit from it can actually expand upon your dreams and your goals. Oh, 100%. And that's, I think, the the real sweet spot for personal coaching. Sometimes it's called life coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
you know, you don't have to do everything yourself. And exactly what you said, Linda, we are designed to connect and communicate with each other. Yet I think in our busy lives that we have today, and a lot of families live apart across the world now, that we don't have that sense of the the village raising the child or having that extended family that are your um, your influencers and the people that you look up to and the people that you learn from. And then the flip side of that is sometimes when you are surrounded by that, you still feel a little bit like you don't fit in. And so working with a coach can help, gives you a space to explore Mm -hmm. what it is that makes you, you, and how you want, how you can be you more. (laughs) (laughs) But that makes sense. And I'm going to come back to something else that you said. Women have a tendency to take on so much and do everything on their own because we're all very self-sufficient. We are, you know, organized. We can do all these things. But in many ways, sometimes in life, you get to phases where you're a little stuck and it's okay to be stuck. And that's where a life coach or someone that you really can talk to and engage with well can really make a difference. Oh, 100%. You do not need to be broken to have a life coach. You don't need to have some earth-shattering experience in order to justify having someone to give you that space to explore where to go next. And you're right, we have different phases in our lives. And we spend, as particularly as women, we spend our times our time giving a lot to other people and often putting ourselves last (laughs) and one day we wake up and go ah okay well what's important to me because I've kind of lost connection with that and that's a very common problem after 40 there is this I've taken care of everyone else maybe the children older, you're finished schooling, you've reached a, a level at, at work where you want to be, or you've started a company that you're thrilled to be with. But oftentimes, it's the other side of things. Um, there's a dream that you haven't reached for. And it's okay to, to reach for those. And that's why I'm so pleased that we're talking about this. When you're looking at someone, and uh, they're, they're asking you about coaching, The basic skills of coaching are what we're going to talk about today. What are those three core skills? Just we start with some foundation of discussion. Sure. So the three core skills of coaching are listening, thinking, and speaking. Now you might think, hey, I've got them covered. (laughs) But we're probably (laughs) going to talk a slightly deeper level and, and explore how just by putting some attention on what you're actually doing when you're listening, thinking and speaking and how you can apply that to not not necessarily being in a coaching situation. If that's something that you, you want to do, then fantastic. But these are skills that I apply in my relationships with my children, with my partner, when I'm you know, negotiating a sale or you know, if I'm making a purchase, then you're still bringing all of these um, skills into play um you know with my girlfriends it's it it makes for a much richer relationship now do both parties have to have these skills for it to work no not at all 
Not so at all. That, and I raised that. I, I thought that was going to be your answer because I think you can – we know that changing other people is impossible. We can change ourselves, but what I'm trying to raise is the intrigue level. You don't, you can do this on your own and you can gain the richness of learning to listen differently, um, approach things with a different sense of questioning and, and to speak differently. And you can do it all by yourself and still gain benefit from it. Oh yes. 100%. When, when you, practice these skills and we will tell you the the not so secret (laughs) secrets of of how to apply these skills the result is that the other person in the communication is going to feel heard and if you've ever felt heard in your life you'll know how powerful that is Mm -hmm. um so when they feel heard they open up a little bit more and this is you know this is fundamentally what, what skilled negotiators do and, and what we do in conflict resolution situations. It's still back to this core understanding of listening, thinking and speaking in these same ways. That's how powerful it can be. So imagine the richness that it can introduce into your day-to-day communications and interactions with your friends, family, um, colleagues. Well, Everyone wants to feel valued. Everyone wants to feel heard. And, you know, I think communication is is very challenging these days, especially with differences of opinion. And so learning to listen deeper, which I guess we'll go into the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, first, obviously, the listening section. But I, I think that you, you raise an extremely important point. Feeling heard is the best because you you honestly believe that someone is paying attention to you. And what do women hate? They hate to be ignored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we need to be seen. Well, we do. And I think that we often have wonderful things to say, but if, if someone is not hearing them, then I imagine that's the other parts of the skills that we'll talk about. Um, the not-so-secret secret, secret uh, is the, the first person, talk about is the the levels of listening and we're coming up on our first break but could you start us off with discussing the the levels of listening and then we'll continue more fully and deeply after the break oh for sure so there there's argument on how many levels of listening there are for for the purposes of of introducing um this concept i'm going to talk about three different levels of listening. The the first level is us being inside ourselves, which is where we spend most of our time. When people are talking to us, we're thinking about what is it, what does this mean for us? And the second level of listening is where you'll find coaches spend a lot of their time where they're opening up to being fully present to hear everything that's being said and what's not being said by the client, the person Mm -hmm. that's in front of them. And then the third level of listening, I kind of refer to this as being a little bit of an out-of-body experience. <laughs> it's <laughs> almost as if you're observing the whole interaction between um, you and the other person from outside of yourself. So you're really looking at um, what's going on between, what's the dynamic between those two uh, individuals. So we'll go into them in a little bit more depth after the break. Yes, and and I think that you bring up some very interesting questions as as I'm listening to you, because 
the, the voice inside ourselves, what we're thinking. The the other point that really struck me, and I'm, I'm glad we're going to go into this more, is what is said, but more importantly, what is not said, because oftentimes those spaces are very, very important. And then being able to objectively observe is, is a skill that definitely would be something very, very valuable. So we will talk more about that at the break. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio, and if you like these shows, you can find more of them at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. And Lorraine has another program with us, and I know you'll want to go get that one. In the meantime, we will go on a short break and return and talk about the levels of listening and how we can all engage as much better friends. Let's leave it at that. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. The fat that is deep within your abdomen and fills the spaces between your internal organs is called visceral or liver fat. This belly fat poses a crucial threat to your health and needs to be taken seriously. Aerobic exercise such as brisk walking, jogging, and swimming burns calories. Resistance exercise such as weightlifting builds bones and strengthens muscles. Both of these modes of exercise are important and both should be a part of your exercise program. Duke University Medical Center researchers performed a study and found that if you are trying to reduce visceral fat, aerobic exercise is your best choice. Aerobic exercise burns 67% more calories than resistance training the researchers found. So concentrate on aerobic exercise to burn away that dangerous visceral fat. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are visiting today with Lorraine Hamilton. And Lorraine, let's go right into the three listening levels. Sure. Okay. So this is where things start to get interesting. And just to bear in mind, um, I just want to do a little reminder for your listeners, Linda, that if this is unfamiliar to you, please be gentle with yourself. All new skills take practice. And all we're trying to do is just raise awareness so that you can play with it. Okay, Mm -hmm. I just want to make that clear. Okay, so I briefly introduced you to the three levels of listening um, that I think are useful. Um, Let's go a little bit deeper into that. So the first level of, of listening is from 
our perspective, it's from us as a personal perspective. We're thinking about what's going on for me, what's most important to me, and what do I need from this interaction. So this is really common in just day-to-day, having a chat with your girlfriends. You notice that you're, you are listening to the person in front of you, but you're actually formulating your response while they're still speaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the response comes out while they're still speaking. Correct. <laughs> I notice I notice that a lot when I, I observe um, a group of girlfriends all talking that, you know, they, they tend to be um, sharing their response before the other person has finished. So, but that's very common and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's how we function. Uh, we're, we're taking what's being heard and then we're doing this processing in our brain to apply it to ourselves and then we're formulating our response. Mm-hmm. So that's the first level of first position listening. The second position is slightly different because when you're thinking about your, um, you're you're more open for the other person. And this is when somebody is listening to you at this level, it feels different to be the speaker. Now, what do I mean by that? Have you ever had the experience of truly being heard, Linda? Yes, and I you all you immediately note it when someone is listening to you and you you sort of take a step back because it's not very common, I think. Mm. And but very flattering. It it's very yeah. it's lovely when it happens. But you think, oh, this is a wonderfully warm connection. And you, you do feel appreciated and you feel valued. Okay. And when you feel appreciated and when you feel valued, it it puts you in a place where you're much more open to either self-exploration in a coaching situation, since that's what we're talking about, but in just a normal interaction, it also opens you up to want to find win-win solutions. Mm -hmm. So when you feel truly heard and you might be in a conflict situation or you might have a problem that you're trying to deal with, when you're in listening at first position or the level one of what's going on for me, it almost feels that you have to defend yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. When, When you feel truly heard, then... It opens you up to searching for compromise and not feeling that you are being compromised too far. Mm-hmm. Is this making sense? Because it makes good sense because I think that it, it, I mentioned earlier. I think it's pretty uncommon um, to to feel heard. Those events you do remember, and the good thing is if you can bring those moments up, it seems to me you would want to repeat them. Because they feel good, the other person is also feeling appreciated and heard generally. So it's a it's the win-win you're talking about. So as you can develop that skill, it seems like that would serve you in every situation. Oh, fantastic. I'm so glad that you agree. <laughs> <laughs> I may not always agree, but that would... I, I really find that to be very important because when people connect, they do search for common ground, and they search for uh, kindness and compassion. I I think it makes us gentler with each other. 
It does. And you raise a really, really valid point. I'm going to take a very, very short tangent to another skill that we use in coaching coaching with conflict resolution. And it's when you have a situation where you have two people who are polarised, and I think this is very current right now, um, if you have a situation where you have two people who are polarised, then it's very difficult to come to any kind of agreement. We use a tool in NLP called chunking, and all that means is that we keep taking the um, the situation a little bit higher level until we reach agreement on something. So it's, if people are passionate about even their polarised views, it's because they care, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you can get them to reach a point where they agree on something, and that might be a very global concept um, that is the best for mankind or the best for the planet or the best thing for children or the best thing. So you could be talking a very global um, concept. Mm-hmm. But if you can if you can get to a point by, of them agreeing on something, then you have opened the door for them to agree on compromise. You also sometimes get humor injected there because when you have people that are polarized and you do find a a point that you do agree on, it can sometimes break up the tension if it's a serious conversation. Is that right? Definitely. And then if, if we can inject humor again, it's a fact to that being gentler with each other. Um, because if you're entrenched in your opinion and you feel that you have to justify your opinion, then it's it's a you're feeling attacked and that you have to defend. So that's a very closed position to be in. If we can inject humor, anything that just opens that the possibilities for compromise, mm-hmm. we've got much better chance of creating a win-win solution. Anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent, um, but you you reminded me that it's a very useful tool in a conflict resolution scenario. So even if if you've got you know children who are fighting over a toy or grandchildren who are fighting over a toy, it's like okay, well why do you want to play with it and why do you want to play? Okay, you both want to have fun. Okay, is there another way that we can have fun? And 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 so we've reached an an agreement on something, um, and it gives you a much uh, more gentle way of negotiating a win-win outcome. Well, that's actually a very good example because I think sometimes when adults are fighting over something, it really does come down to, it's very similar to how children are. And and sometimes it gets very much diffused when when you simplify it. And, and as you say, that helps with the gentler with others. Uh, because I think that is rather universal. There's a lot of opinions these days. And so learning how to express yourself without being offensive and being able to have a conversation is a gift these days. Yeah, and of course, we want our opinions to be heard. That's, you know, that's why we we hold them and we're so passionate about them. So mm-hmm. how great would it be if we could uh, prepare our listeners in a way that they are best set up to hear your opinion. And I'm sure you want to explain this piece because you just said set up to hear your opinion. So someone wants to feel manipulated and that's not what you're suggesting. 
But you are saying, let me set a scenario where it is a more agreeable uh, environment in which to discuss, correct? It's not manipulation. Absolutely not. And the core philosophy of of coaching is that you do not give opinion and you do not give advice. Mm -hmm. However, if you can allow other people to have a space to feel heard, and when we move on to um, thinking and questioning and speaking, that is what allows us as coaches and skilled communicators to help other people see where you're coming from, but then find that path on their own. So it's not about um, bestowing our opinion or our advice on anyone. However, we've got off track, so I just want to give you a few prompts for okay. um, how to listen at the second level. So okay. when you're listening at level two, you're more concerned about what's important for the other person. You know, what do um, what do they need to get from this interaction? What's important for them? And also, if you're in uh, an in-person situation, what is their body language telling you? What are and what are they not telling you in their words? Like you mentioned just at the top of the the break, you know, it's important to notice what's not being said as well. And you know, what do you notice about the way that they're speaking? What the the speed with which they're speaking, the pitch of their voice, and the tone of their voice. All of these things are going to give you clues about how well placed they are to receive your words when it's your turn. So speaking on that, if they don't seem in a position to receive you, do you continue to look for points of accessibility and and warmth and connection? Or are there some things that might best be shelved for another day? So there's two parts to this. It's a great question. If I was in that situation and I felt that um, they're not, that they perhaps are agitated, I would just continue to listen more. I mm-hmm. would not fill that space. I would allow them to talk until they are done. Um, and then the next part is how to how to um, how to question, which is what we're going to talk about in the next section so it's about thinking how we're thinking about that and how we're feeling about the the state that they're in and if they're not ready um, maybe they need some help in further exploring their own position so that third step was observing the interaction and concluding whether they were or were not ready for the next step correct that's right. So looking at the whole dynamic between the two people and, and seeing what's real, what do they need most right now? What are you noticing about the non-verbal cues? What's the big picture? And that is not always easy to interpret. So I'm, I'm eager. We're going on our second break and we will come back and we will talk about the thinking part of coaching after you've done the three steps of listening. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio and we are talking with Lorraine Hamilton from New Zealand about the life skills in coaching and how they can help you in everyday situations. We'll be right back after these short messages. We're 
of Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. ever wonder how reindeer survive the severe cold? Well, they snuzzle around for some moss to eat. Moss contains a special chemical that helps keep their body fluids warm. And they're going to have to keep warm if they're going to pull Santa's sleigh every year. Santa's sleigh was originally called a wing doodle. Both male and female reindeer grow antlers, but male reindeer drop their antlers at the beginning of winter. I can't help but wonder why Santa's reindeer from Rudolph to Blitzen had male names. Since they had antlers, they would have had to be female. We women should have known only females would be able to drag a hefty man outfitted in a red velvet suit, originally called a Hoopin' Daddy, all around the world in one night and not get lost. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It is a fact that Americans are spending several hours every day looking at their smartphones, iPads, computers, etc. Because of that, neck pain, back pain, and posture problems are prevalent. Tech neck is a common ailment with young and old people alike. Being mindful of your posture when you're using your electronic device is imperative. But exercise is also a big asset to prevent posture problems. Stretching and yoga can remedy many aches and pains in your back and neck. Stretching, lengthening, and reaching all counterbalance slouching over your computer or smartphone. Strength training is very important to keep the muscles in the shoulders, back, and chest strong, tight, and in the right position. Use exercise to keep your posture in alignment and technet non-existent. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're continuing our discussion on coaching and the skills that you can apply to most situations in life. We talked about the three levels of listening, and now we're going to move into the thinking and questioning aspect. So take it away, Lorraine. Okay, so some things I get um, asked, sometimes I get asked, what are you thinking about when um, you're in a coaching session? And, uh, you know, we've just introduced the levels of listening. And to be honest, if those are new skills to you, you're probably going to be thinking about that a little bit while you're listening and trying to be open to the, uh, the person that's in front of you. But when you've got that a little bit more practice and it comes a little bit more naturally to you, then I tend to answer that question, what are you thinking with how I'm thinking? And and the answer is simply, I'm thinking curiously. Um, I'm always wondering and listening for um, obstacles or listening for opportunities. And then I'm thinking curiously about how to explore them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So it's a sense of intense curiosity that that um, that coaches think, and of course they don't just think about um, questions; they ask them as well. In fact, I've had uh, people describe a coaching experience as 
someone asking them the right questions. And that's mm-hmm. because they've been fully present in level two or level three listening and they've been thinking curiously and they, and they ask the right questions to help people explore what is important to them. So there's all sorts of different questions and you're probably really familiar with a lot of them yourself already. Um, you know, open questions, closed questions, leading questions. You know, there's all sorts of different questions. And the real bread and butter of a, a good coach are open questions. They're, they're questions that will help the other person to think and reflect. It will help them expand and explore what's going on for them. Because we often don't think or, or communicate at a very deep level. It's quite surface level stuff. Even with our, our best friends, um, they're so keen to help us feel better that maybe we don't explore to the depth that we could that would allow us to be a bit more empowered to solve our own problems and, um, and feel truly heard and accomplished in living leading our own lives purposefully but don't you get the feeling that sometimes that's because of time constraints or interruptions i think we yearn to have more than a surface conversation with people but i think that it's often the opportunity to have that is less obvious but once you have had a a deeper level conversation with someone i tend to think you seek out the opportunity to do that more often because it feels amazing to be able to explore a topic with someone or, or what are they thinking about a certain situation but america and well the world i should say is is often very surface level because we're such a busy society and maybe i'm making a sweeping generalization but i do think that with all the smart technology and all of the connections that we have interruptions are a way of life and sometimes we've forgotten how to have a deeper conversation which what you're bringing up is is a warm wonderful way to start doing that more that's exactly what i was going to say when you start doing this for other people you're going to be surprised at how often they're going to seek you out so that they can have more deep conversations because Mm -hmm. we all seek it and we do live in a very busy environment um as you say you know mobile phones mm-hmm. cell phone notifications mm-hmm. all day long um so but when you start doing this for other people they're going to start seeking you out and you're going to have lots more of these conversations because people will be drawn to you and they won't know why because you listen to them and they felt heard and they had space And And that's going to open up uh, opportunities for you to also experience that. Well, and as I said, I I think that we yearn for deeper connection than we often get. You know, it's it's waiting in a carpool line. It's zooming at the grocery store. Um, It's it's a lot of the busyness. And so I think you're right, taking the time to stop and think. And that's where a coach is so wonderful. But if you learn these skills and employ it, you will also find, as you said, people will seek you out because it's far more interesting Uh, and and what I also find and I'm just bringing in a personal observation is that then you want to share you know I had a wonderful conversation with so-and-so about x y and z what do you think about it and so you can carry this to spread 
the goodwill. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. And it, it, there are so many very important things happening right now that we do yearn for a deeper understanding. And we have that understanding. We just don't give ourselves any space to explore it. Nobody needs to tell us. And I think this is something else that women need to hear. Nobody needs to tell us what to think. Mm-hmm. We just need the space to explore what we already think and believe. Mm-hmm. True. So that just would came to me there felt important. <laughs> it is, well, but it is important because I think we are often um, we're raised certain ways. Uh, we are taught societally certain ways. Some things are more acceptable to say than others. Um, but but having a full conversation is is quite a rare occurrence, but it doesn't need to be. And I think that's what you're saying, is mm-hmm. that if you take the time to be present, if you take the time to be gentle and engage and, and show true curiosity, you will you will draw that law of attraction. You will draw those who, who want to to also explore. So as you go into the questioning, you mentioned that um, the whys can be sometimes off-putting. Um, talk about that a little bit. The effective yeah. use of using the term why. We were talking about it on the break. Yeah. So this is um, usually, there, there's a lot of information that you can find about questioning techniques. So I don't want to go into that in too much detail. Mm-hmm. One thing that, one gift that I will um, share is just keep this phrase in your toolkit and just ask people, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Because how often are we invited to to talk more? Very rarely we are invited to talk more. We're invited to listen more, but we're not invited to talk more. <laughs> so the true. biggest gift, the biggest gift that you can give the, the person that you're listening to is to invite them to talk more. So say, tell me more about that. And that will help them to go deeper and explore. But I just wanted to make sure that I covered that off before I talk about why. Um, So the effective use of why. Why is a very interesting um, word because technically it's it's an open question. Questions that start with the, the word why are open questions. Open questions being what, when, how, um, and, and why. But a funny thing happens when you're on the receiving end of a question that starts with the word why. Um, and if I said to you, um, Linda, why did you do that? <laughs> or as my mother used to say, it's not just what you said, it's how you said it. Yeah. So generally, if if we use the word why, there are a lot of ways that it can trigger a defensive response in the other person. Because if you remember as, as being toddlers and we're learning, and sometimes you might have just, you know, really pushed your mum to the edge. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she'll say, why did you do that? And suddenly it it triggers you back into that small, scared child going, uh, I need to defend my position here or I'm being attacked. Mm-hmm. So that can happen a lot more with why questions that are, and, and there's a particular set of circumstances. So the rule of thumb is don't use why questions if they refer to the past. 
So if they refer to past events, don't use why questions. Use tell me more about or what were the reasons for. Interesting. That makes sense, though. Yeah. And then the but you can use why for forward uh, future focused questions. And that is actually a useful tool in coaching. I use it quite a lot when I'm trying to build reasoning for a desired behavior um, or desired action. It's like, okay, well, why would you do that? Why will you do that? Mm-hmm. And why else will you do that? It built because it triggers that defensive mechanism that we have to come up with a reason for it. It helps me to coach my clients into really strong visual reasoning for why they want to perform a desired behavior or action in the future. But I keep away from asking why questions about the past because it can trigger that defensive response. That makes perfect sense because you cannot change the past. So why they did it is really, it's not as productive as tell me more about that that's very interesting because that's a simple rule to recall and and doesn't tend to generate the the same defensive nature so as you go into the list uh, the uh, thinking so you're doing all of this thinking at the same time that you've done all this listening or sequentially and as you are getting into the questioning if people are engaged they will be responding back to you but do you ever get them where they, I don't know. I I don't know why I did that or I can't really tell you more about that. Isn't that an opportunity? An opportunity. It's certainly an opportunity to help them explore further. And, and I guess when that happens to me in any situation, it's because the person that is in front of me hasn't had a chance to explore it further or they haven't had any space to think about it in, in before now. So mm-hmm. how I would handle that and how I do handle that is just to give them more space and just, and, and just thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. And, and then very, some space. And it's not judgmental. No, 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 we don't judge. Mm-mm. There is no judgment in a coaching scenario. Well, that's a that's a good segue to our next break. This time is moving very quickly. Um, we, we're coming on our final break, and we will come back, and we will talk about the speaking aspect skill of coaching. And it'll be just a short break. We're visiting with Lorraine Hamilton in New Zealand today. You're listening to Wise Health Women Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's marching Did you ever wonder how reindeer survive the severe cold? Well, they snuzzle around for some moss to eat. Moss contains a special chemical that helps keep their body fluids warm. And they're going to have to keep warm if they're going to pull Santa's sleigh every year. Santa's sleigh was originally called a wing doodle. Both male and female reindeer grow antlers, but male reindeer drop their antlers at the beginning of winter. 
I can't help but wonder why Santa's reindeer from Rudolph to Blitzen had male names. Since they had antlers, they would have had to be female. We women should have known only females would be able to drag a hefty man outfitted in a red velvet suit, originally called a hoopin' daddy, all around the world in one night and not get lost. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When it comes to losing weight, there is nothing better than to see the numbers on the scale get lower and lower. But what happens if you hit a plateau? All of a sudden, you're not losing weight like you were before, and it feels like everything has stalled. Weight Watchers offers tips to plow through your plateau and to get back on the weight loss trail. First of all, increase your physical activity. Exercise more and watch the weight drop off. Another way to tip the scales in the correct direction is to eat right and write it down. Record everything that you eat. Cheating here and there doesn't work, so be meticulous to follow the plan exactly. Strengthen your resolve to lose that weight and go after it full force. You will not be disappointed. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. And we are talking with Lorraine Hamilton about the speaking aspect of coaching. And I think everyone wants to be heard and understood. And I think that these skills, just listening today and, and hearing more of your expertise, it just shows you how hungry we are for the communication. So let's talk about the speaking aspect. Oh, yes, let's. Because you, you're with the the listening at different levels and the awareness that that opens up for you as as a listener and then thinking curiously we don't want it to all go wrong when you finally open your mouth so (laughs) there's um there's a mantra that i that has traveled with me for many many years now and i still teach it and i still bring it up and I i still have to remember it and that is the meaning of communication is the response that you get. Mm. So if you take a moment to really think about what that means, you know, how often have you said something or written something without necessarily considering how it might be interpreted to somebody else mm-hmm. and then being surprised at the response you get? But that's very, very true. I remember um, someone once saying, when you look at why someone does what they do, see what happens when they do it. So what you're saying is when you say something and see what happens when you do it, do most people learn from that? Or is that a, a pattern, a default pattern that has to be redefined, reframed? It it often has to be reframed. I have a, a story from my corporate life where I used to run a team of engineers. Okay. And I, I was responsible for a, um, a large portion of a mobile phone, a cell phone networks. Mm-hmm. So I, I, had, I ran a team of engineers. So these are, you know, smart men that I was managing. And they would, they would write emails that were just full of jargon and full of technical <laughs> terms and full of math. And and then they'd get really frustrated when people didn't understand it. 
And I remember having a conversation with one of these engineers, very, very smart man, and and explaining to him that, um, that you know, that his frustration was not going to get any better unless he changed his um, his method of communication. But his response was, but I'm sending it to technical people and they should just understand this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> well, you know what? You have a choice. What's more important? Is it for you to seem smart or is it for them to understand what it is that you're trying to convey to them? And I spent years with this guy getting him to the point where he could send emails that a six-year-old could understand. <laughs> but, 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 but you raise yeah. a very valid point because I think people get entrenched in the in the ways that they speak, the patterns that they speak. And if if you do step back and think about the meaning of communication is the response that you get, if you're not getting satisfactory responses – Perhaps it is the way that you're asking it, the words or the manner in which you're asking it, correct? Hmm. And we have a choice at that point, Linda. We have a choice to take control or or take responsibility for that, Mm -hmm. or we can continue to be frustrated by the response that we get. Now, I, you know, going back to what we've been talking about for this hour about how badly we want to be heard and how badly we want to be understood and listened to, I think I might choose the path of taking responsibility for the response that I get. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like that's the only way you're going to have a change. <laughs> well, that's right, because as you say, you can't change other people. Mm-hmm. You can't change other people. When you when you appreciate that, it actually is a very empowering place to be that you're in control of what happens next. And I would think that people feel relief when a pattern is noted to them. There's often resistance to begin with. That makes sense too. But then they can see when, one of my favorite questions in um, not only coaching, because I used it in the, the example that I just shared with you, is being able to frame the the options in a what is more important, X or Y mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. So what is more important to you? Because there is no judgment in that. It mm-hmm. is your choice. So what's more important? Is it more important for you to be seen as being so incredibly intelligent that no one can understand you? Or is it more important for you to be understood and for you to be able to continue moving forward in the project that you're working on? And there is no judgment there. If, if it's I want to be seen as being very intelligent, then that's fine. But go into it with your eyes open. Well, what I love when you just said that is that you you are saying it's a choice. You can choose to do this and you'll continue probably to get that same response or you can choose this other method. And I I tend to think that people will at least try out something and and see if it works. I'm sure you have had stubborn clients who who just decide, no, this is what I want to do. And and the choice that they make is Mm -hmm. the first one, not the second one. but I imagine in personal relationships, there's a little more flexibility to understand that because if people truly want to make a friendship or a relationship work, communicating is very, very important. It's vital. Absolutely. It, it is. And it's not just about 
what you see it's it's generally the the challenge comes in the delivery of how you say it because we have there, there's when I talk about this portion of of coaching skills there are three ways of three methods of delivery that I talk about and, and these are not mine these are from um, zenergyglobal.com and they use a, a model called pussyfoot clobber <laughs> so oh, I love it yeah so um, we have a natural tendency probably for one or the other we we may say the same thing but if we pussyfoot around our message is lost in lots of extraneous information you know we we tend to apologize you know it's a, oh well I know that you've got an awful lot on and I don't really want to be a burden but if you could just um, possibly discuss what I've got in mind you, you know it's not really clear there what you want the other person to do mm-hmm. and then of course the flip side of that is clobbering where it can actually come across as being quite aggressive and that sends us into protection mode and closes us down so that we again can't hear the actual message so it can be like oh everybody's so busy I don't know why you think you're so special you know I want you to do something else mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of you language in clobber. So there's a lot of accusatory language in clobber. And it's not from, it's not, not, if you've got a tendency to clobber, it doesn't come with the intention of I want to bully people or I want to shout at people. Generally it comes from their frustration at not getting the response that they want. Mm-hmm. And, and they have no other tools. So what we're really searching for is somewhere in between. It's on-target communication. It's communication that is clear, non-emotional, and direct. And that's very different from clobbering or pussyfooting around. You just said something very important. Um, direct is usually understood the the clarity of the purpose is is okay it is often though the way it is said it can be it can be off-putting to people but i think what we're trying to get to is to speak directly and clearly and when you said take out the emotion i think that sometimes that's how women get themselves into trouble because they color it with emotion and then it goes off on a tangent when especially in a professional environment, you're really asking a a yes-no question or a sequential question or something that you need information on. And emotion can cloud the the situation. Um, I'll I'll give you a funny example of one. It's it's the women honestly do this a lot. You, You hear a noise at night and you say, did you hear that? Well, that is not what you're asking. You're asking, can you go check and see what that is? And and that's not clear. That's pussyfooting in the biggest degree. So a, a better way to do that is I just heard a noise and I'm concerned. Do, do, do yes. you know what I'm getting at? Because women tend to do that. I call it I call it women's language, you know, where, where we, mm. we position it differently. And, and it is not... Um, it's not direct and it's not owning it. And, and I think that's part of the, the issue. But I, I think that 
we also can clobber. And so I think what you're looking for is that middle ground, as you put it, direct, unemotional, because not everything has to be clouded emotion. And in fact, you'll get better responses if you don't, oftentimes, I have found. Oh, definitely. And, and that's a great example that you've given. I was going to share another one, but that, let's work with the one that you've given us. Because the clobber in that scenario could be, you need to go and see what that was. <laughs> exactly. You know, and you know, really, why, why, why is my life or my why is my risk less than yours? Um, but you know, the the, the on target communication that you gave of, I heard a noise, and I I'm concerned. Um, can can you help me figure out what it is? That is much more on target. It doesn't put lay the the responsibility with one person using new language, you need to go and figure out what that is. Um, and it says what you want the person to do because we are not mind readers. Much as we want our partners to be able to do <laughs> our minds, we are not mind readers. So, right. um, and it's, you know, it's a little bit unfair for us <laughs> to expect um, our partners to be able to read our minds. Well, I, I think that it works both ways, but I use that example because I, I feel as though um, it's – I've heard it more often used by, by women, and we know what we mean, but we don't come out and say it. And I think even in the smallest things, if you take ownership for what you're trying to say, I think it makes a difference. So our, tell our listeners how they find you. It's at Lorraine Hamilton. LorraineHamilton.net. And, um, yeah, you'll find everything you need to know there. And, oh, I can't believe we've run out of time. There's so much more I want to share. <laughs> well, well, we will just have to continue another time. That's not a problem. But I, I encourage all of our listeners to take use of some of these skills, these little things, and try them. Because warm communication and engaging connection with others means a world of difference to everyone. Lorraine, thank you for sharing some of your expertise with us today. I'm glad we were able to get a little bit of it in. And I appreciate your being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. I really enjoyed myself. A pleasure. We'll be back next week with another show for you. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.